Welcome to Rast Talk, a podcast on recirculating aquaculture and sustainable food production. Brought to you by Rastec, the premier publication for Rast professionals. Hello and Happy New Year. Welcome to another episode of Rast Talk. I'm your host, Marilyn de Guzman, and co-host Brian Vinci is here as well. Hello, Brian. Hello, Marilyn. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. I hope you had a nice break over the holidays. Yeah, it was quiet, um, and that was good. We're looking forward to a better 2021, um, putting 2020 behind us. How was your holidays? It was good. I I was uh, able to take a few days off, which is great over the Christmas and New Year's. And just as just like you, I'm 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 happy to say goodbye to 2020 and start 2021 fresh. I will say that over the break. I noticed that I received quite a few emails from Annex Business Media Publications, Hatchery International, um, Aquaculture, or North American Aquaculture, and Raztec. And I like getting those uh, updates that tell us what was going on in the last month of December. Yeah, so we were able to, yeah, you know, despite the holidays, I think our team did a really great job in pushing out all those content uh, throughout the uh, holidays uh hopefully people you know got some time to read them so l- lots to look forward to actually for 2021 um i, I can talk about rastec and at rastec we have some exciting events that we're planning throughout the year including a virtual ras uh, ras investors forum in june and so excited to be hosting this one as it's the first time we'll be bringing together ras producers and innovators as well as the investment community in a one-day virtual event so that's happening on june 9th and it's a virtual event so there's plenty of opportunity to attend and participate remotely from uh, people across the world who might be interested in um, learning about um, the RAS uh, industry and what the investors community's insights on it, how it has evolved and all those types of things. And more details on that will be coming out soon. Please check our website at www.rastechmagazine.com under events for details on that. And another event that we're actually looking forward to hosting, which we were not able to host, unfortunately, in 2020 because of uh, the global pandemic, um, is RASTEC Conference. Um, so we're, we are so far still planning our RASTEC Conference event in November in South Carolina. And this is planned as an in-person live event that is scheduled for November 3rd and 4th. Again, please check out our events page on RASTEC Magazine regularly as we finalize the details for this event. We uh, highly endorse uh, RASTEC as a conference for people in the industry to attend. Uh, we think that we will likely have a session in the uh, on-person, yes. in the in-person uh, meeting coming up later this year. Uh, we we typically have our research results presented uh, during that session, as well as uh, invited speakers on select topics. Um, for 2021, we have an exciting slate of research projects, uh, projects related to our, our USDA um, grants include evaluating steelhead strains for the best performance in RAS systems uh, that will be coming to completion in 2021 as the fish reach four kilos. So they're all uh, mixed together in our large recirculating system right now. And we will be bringing in uh, various salmon strains early in the year 
uh, to prepare for a similar study on Atlantic salmon strains that perform the best in RAS uh, that will be doing, doing grow out in 2022. So a lot of uh, fish on station right now and eggs coming in. We're also continuing our projects on Control Aqua and uh, working with some major feed companies looking at their new uh, feeds for RAS specifically. So uh, we have a project slated with Cargill for um, the first half of 2021, uh, working with them on their new RAS feeds. And then uh, we will be um, ex embarking on um, renovation to our uh, six recirculating systems facility uh, to replace all of our membrane uh, biological reactors with um, new membranes from DuPont Memcor. Uh, that's an exciting project that uh, looks at really turning the valve down and going to as close to zero exchange recirculation as possible. So lots of great research, uh, lots of fish on station. Uh, we do report our results uh, throughout the year using uh, social media, primarily on LinkedIn. So you could check us out on LinkedIn, uh, Freshwater Institute. And you can see us report results throughout the year on the various studies. Um, and hopefully this year we will be able to restart the Aquaculture Innovation Workshop. That's a workshop that we've had for the last 11 years annually. Uh, typically it moves location uh, around Vancouver. Um, uh, we've had it in uh, Vancouver Island. We've had it in Miami. And I've started initial conversations on the planning for the Aquaculture Innovation Workshop, and we're looking at potentially a December 2021 event in Miami to revisit um, Atlantic Sapphire as part of the conference. I'm I'm really uh, excited about this year with all the pandemic that's uh, you know that's been going on throughout the world, and this year with the with the vaccines, and really really hopeful that. Um, we can all resume the plans that we have and that we can all move forward. I remember AIW is one of the, actually, it's the first uh, conference that I've attended since I took over as editor of Hatchery International and RASTIC. And most of the things I learned about recirculating aquaculture, I learned from AIW because uh, that was really a, a benefit, a very a beneficial for me to attend that event and got to know the industry a little bit. So as uh, our listeners could probably guess by now, we don't have a guest today. As the first uh, podcast episode of 2021, we're going to talk about the year that was and the year ahead. And what a year it has been 2020, eh? Um, for, of course, we can't talk about 2020 without talking about COVID-19. For all the, the negative impact it has on the industry as a whole, I think uh, COVID-19 has also um, shown a spotlight on the resilience and uh, the ability, the agility of the industry, particularly uh, our RAS producers um, in, 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 in sort of pivoting um, their business plans and their uh, their distribution channels, innovating in their in their uh, in business strategies. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, and you know, I'm thinking back to our 2020 podcast with uh, both Ideal Fish, mm -hmm. um, Eric Pedersen, and uh, James McKnight, and also our podcast with the Hudson Valley uh, slash New York Steelhead, uh, John Ng and uh, Brittany Beachy, who both talked about how COVID impacts their sales, 
first in a very negative way and then in a positive way by uh, forcing them to, as you say, pivot their supply and distribution channels to um, both online and uh, also some of those home meal delivery services. So um, it probably did have uh, a positive in that it forced people to be become innovative, uh, mm -hmm. look for alternative channels for their product, and uh, and tell their story. Right, and and it's it's also become a sort of a forced lesson on vertical integration. I think for some of these companies where they've. Um, you know, things that they've been planning probably to do over the next three years, they've had to pivot and um, sort of find a way to fast track that. And so I think Hudson Valley, uh, for example, has uh, announced recently they're uh, buying new equipment for freezing uh, to give them the capability to uh, process and freeze their their produce, uh, I think. So that, that, that vertical integration, I think, has become um, uh, an important business strategy for these companies. Yeah, and I think that's the same at Ideal Fish. I remember mm -hmm. talking with Eric about this and James that they were um, adding some additional products to their line, um, including the smoked product that they announced in 2020 and are now selling. And I know from talking to the folks at Ideal Fish that they're continuing to um, evaluate additional marketing opportunities. They're currently um, bringing in Atlantic salmon grown in land-based wrasse at Sustainable Blue and, uh, and marketing that I think is ideal salmon. So um, yeah, so, so definite innovation. And you talk about the vertical integration and it makes me think a little bit about what I read this morning from uh, Atlantic Sapphire's uh, release that indicates that they will be uh, finishing their processing plants as part of uh, the final phase one construction. So they say a state-of-the-art uh, filleting facility will be completed in, in operation uh, shortly as part of their phase one um, completion. So, um, of course, they are a huge company and um, ha have moved product uh, through uh, various channels, but it uh, seems that they'll also be going to full vertical integration with their processing plant. Right, and uh, speaking of Atlantic Sapphire, they've had a big year as well. Despite the the, the delays and the challenges, they were able to uh, accomplish that uh, planned first harvest. Yeah, and it said in the in today's release that for the three months that ended December 31st, that they had harvested 166 metric tons of head-on gutted Atlantic salmon. So um, I think you know that covers the the first harvest through the end of the year. Of course, that's a, a small quantity uh, in comparison to what the phase one construction will potentially produce in the end, which is 10,000 metric tons. Um, it also noted that they're producing 341 metric tons at the Langs and Locks facility in Denmark in the last quarter. So um, yeah, they're definitely building momentum and uh, going forward, I do know that COVID um, as they reported, COVID impacted some of their labor availability for finishing the construction in phase one. And so that delayed them a little bit. I think it's interesting you mentioned that COVID has had both negative and positive impacts. And we talked briefly about the uh, marketing and distribution innovations that these companies have had to um, employ. I think 
COVID also gave some of these companies that weren't in the construction phase um, time uh, to do their planning without the expectations of having to put a shovel in the ground because COVID affected so many sectors of the economy, including construction. Um, these companies like Aquacon, uh, Nordic Aqua Farms were able to spend uh, appropriate amounts of time on their permitting and design phases um, and, and knew that they really weren't going to be able to move to construction with the pandemic happening worldwide. Uh, we like to talk about the positives. <laughs> While we're talking about the positive, I think from the consumer perspective, which really is um, providing some insights for producers, um, is that the fact that um, you know th this trend towards uh, because of the restaurant closures, tre trends toward preparing your own meal at home has really uh, awakened um, consumers to the fact about where their food is coming from whether it's locally produced or is it sustainably produced. So that's sort of uh, helped raise the awareness as well because they're making their own food now. Um, and that's really some uh, providing some good insights for producers to um, promote their products as sustainably uh, produced and locally grown and those types of things. Yeah, you know, I've read a few stories about how the cooking at home trend has caused an increase in seafood consumption mm -hmm. and i wondered if it's just an increase in seafood consumption in the home versus in a restaurant but um, i haven't read the articles in enough detail to determine what the case is but if folks are cooking more seafood at home i think that's a good trend for the industry in general and as, as you say it um, uh, connects people with their food supply a little more closely and they'll be looking for hopefully a higher quality product that has a local story that is sustainable. Um, I, I just will mention that on that Atlantic Sapphire release this morning, um, they note that they received uh, $9.40 per kilo of salmon in the fourth quarter and their superior product received $12 per kilo. So it's 145% premium on their premium on their superior quality product. And that and I'm sure it has to do with, with uh, you know, selective consumers opting for the superior product. Before we talk about some of the projects to watch out for, I think um, I want to get your thoughts on, we talked about sort of this vertical integration where companies have, uh, started looking at that uh, in, in maybe in response to what happened uh, with the pandemic and uh, getting them to rethink their strategies. Is that something you think uh, you see as more uh, RAS producers will be looking into having that sort of end-to-end -end, uh, product uh, uh, production life cycle where they would have sort of from farm to table kind of thing? I do. And I think that for a couple of reasons, not just my you know, sense of the industry or, or gut feeling, but primarily because every time I see a pitch deck from a company, it always includes that last piece of vertical integration, processing, packaging, and, and selling direct to consumers. So um, I think all these companies at their inception uh, have a plan to implement full vertical integration, including processing into various products and even value add through smoking on the salmon side and on the uh, sea um, bass side. So 
Yes, I, I, I do think that, and I think that's because it, it's in a lot of the plans, um, but the pandemic had forced the issue on some folks to consider how they were going to do that. Um, it's my understanding that uh, besides Atlantic Sapphire adding processing, that Superior Fresh is thinking along those lines with processing. I know some of my contacts internationally have have added the full-on processing and value-add uh, component to their business plans and to their business. Companies like Matorka and Iceland um, are doing that. So I do, and, and I think that they, based on what I've learned from Ideal Fish, that the processing and value add um, excites the business and excites the consumer. And I see them spending more money and more time and hiring more staff on that aspect of it. So um, I think that is something to watch out for in 2021 projects, adding that component. I think Hudson Valley, as you mentioned, is the same way with their IQF, uh, potentially doing some uh, additional product processing Mm -hmm. And speaking of uh, projects to watch out for, there's a couple of um, uh, international companies that are setting their sites or actually have really started there to set their sites into the U.S. market. So the companies like the Kingfish Company um, announcing last year about their plans to set up uh, facilities in the U.S., um, Nordic Aquaforms has announced their second site in California. So those um, uh, and other international projects as well, like uh, Pure Salmon. There are so many projects out there, Marilyn. Uh, you know, the ones you mentioned in, in Nordic in Maine, especially having received all their permits, except for maybe one or two that they expect to receive soon. Uh, maybe they'll be uh, putting shovels in the ground in 2021 and getting their construction ramped up. One of the projects that I'm really interested to follow in 2021 is a project in China mm -hmm. um, called Norsal. Uh, Norsal has announced that they will be building a 30,000 metric ton Atlantic salmon RAS project in uh, the Anti area. Um, this is a company that has experience building oil rigs for the Norwegian oil industry, uh, but doing that work in China. Uh, they have built, um, as a company, the capacity for complex construction of oil rigs. And now they're going to, after two years of looking at uh, land-based salmon, going to be looking at that 30,000 ton project. I think that's interesting for a couple reasons. Um, one, of course, is the location, China. You know, China, mm -hmm. Uh, is a, a immense growing market. I've read that their projections for Atlantic salmon consumption are going to be going up to 220,000 metric tons per year, which is about half of the U.S. market. We know the U.S. market is the largest for Atlantic salmon consumption in the world. So China quickly um, uh, becoming hungry mouths for Atlantic salmon. And then also, besides the location, I think that project's interesting because of the capacity that that, that company apparently has in complex construction and their uh, stated approach to the design is to do it in 10,000 ton modules uh, that that could replicate throughout um, the area. And that's a project where the RAS facilities are being provided by 
the design is being provided by Bill and Aquaculture Services from Denmark. So a really tried and true uh, technology provider paired with a um, complex uh, construction company um, for that project. I think that's one I'm definitely keeping my eye out because the projects in the US um, and Europe um, have shown that they are sometimes delayed due to permitting, whether it's uh, land use uh, permitting or affluent uh, permitting uh, or, or what have you, even water supply permitting or water supply development. In the case of Sapphire, it took many years for them to develop their water supply. So there's a long lead time on those projects in North America for those reasons. But some of these other countries seem to be able to go through those steps much quicker. Mm -hmm. and, and they may be developing uh, the RAS projects on a faster pace than North America or Western Europe. Right. Yeah. And China really, it's emerging as a destination, if I may say, uh, for RAS projects now. There's a, you've mentioned one project, but there's other ones that are uh, also uh, uh, coming up in China, like Nordic Aqua Partners has yep. uh, began work on that facility and their facility there. Uh, Aqua has a few projects that's uh, a couple projects that's ongoing there as well in Shanghai. Um, yeah, so China is really a, a I think a, a country to watch uh, in terms of RAS developments. Yeah, and, and you know the project uh, that's Ragnar Johansson's project, the Nordic Aqua Partners. You know they have uh, Ragnar's from Marine Harvester Moe and strong uh, background in uh, salmon aquaculture and. I think that's a strong team also to watch out for, um, but th you know that's that's where my uh, that's where my eyes will be a, a, a lot on uh, what's going on in in China with these projects that we've mentioned. Um, uh, we kind of have pretty well defined projects in the U.S. that have longer lead times, so um, so that's where I'll be. What done? There's a couple projects, uh, one in the Middle East, United Arab yeah. Emirates, um, that I think will be interesting to watch, and then. Uh, there has been a project planned in South Africa for a few years, and I don't know if it's gaining any traction or not, but uh, I'll be looking uh, there as well. Now, that's all on the salmon side. I do think um, that we will start to see RAS projects branch out outside of salmon. Of course, Kingfish Zealand is uh, the most well-known of the non-salmon uh, large-scale RAS projects, mm -hmm. um, but I do think there's projects out there that uh, whether it's Barramundi or, or what have you that uh, will be coming up. Uh, we don't maybe know about them right now, uh, that they're in development, and uh, and we'll see some of those. And that's another thing I, I wanted to uh, talk to you about today is just just uh, RAS for species outside the salmon. I know that there's salmon has a track record already when it comes to uh, uh, being produced in RAS, but uh, you know, there is some opportunities there for high value species, especially um, being produced in 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 RAS. So um, ho hopefully we'll see more because we, we definitely want to see more species, uh, more opportunities for more species being produced on land and, um, uh, you know, hope that they'll, you know, have the same success as a salmon has. Absolutely. I, I don't know if steelhead is uh, all that much of a variation from salmon. Uh, some people like to call it steelhead salmon in, in, in actuality, but I do think we're going to see some steelhead projects uh, coming to the fore in 2021 announcements. 
uh, plans. I just spoke yesterday with a, a fellow who uh, has now government uh, funding and approval for a project in France to raise uh, steelhead to four kilos. So it's it's a very similar product in the seafood case in that it's you know sold as a fillet, um, it's a pink fish or you know a pink colored fish, and uh, competes along those same lines. But I do think um, it has specific attributes in terms of its um, life history and bioplanning that make it an attractive application for RAS, you know, steelhead. Um, I mentioned uh, Bear Monday, of course, uh, mm -hmm. sea bass, um, and uh, the yellowtail uh, fish. I'm trying to think of if anything else uh, comes to mind about projects and other species. Of course, shrimp. Shrimp, uh, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. shrimp is a is a growing area for land-based and recirculation systems. Now we've had a long history of shrimp wrasse projects that haven't quite made it, uh, but the technology continues to advance. That's the bioflock technology. And um, I'll be looking for uh, natural shrimp and maybe a few other companies to make strides in 2021. Yeah, and definitely that's a, an episode we want to do for this year is talk about, is all about, like talk about shrimp uh, in wrasse. Absolutely. I think there's a, a few industry giants in the shrimp aquaculture uh, area that have announced land-based shrimp recirculation projects in the U.S., uh, one being CP Foods um, uh, with their principal, Robbins McIntosh, who has a tremendous successful history with uh, shrimp aquaculture. Um, they have announced a project in Florida. I can't remember the name of it right off the top of my head, but uh, that is something that I'll definitely be looking for because, you know, salmon uh, is, a, is a fish that is consumed worldwide as a commodity, and it has, you know, what, what's 2 million metric tons of salmon are produced per year, but it really pales in comparison to some of the other species out there that are produced um, in aquaculture systems, uh, flow through ponds, land-based, what have you, and shrimp is one of those. Are you seeing any emerging innovation in, in, in technology when it comes to RAS uh, or, you know, some other aspects of, of the RAS systems like in feed or um, biosecurity, those types of things? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, you guys report on these uh, stories and these developments on a routine basis. So some of this I, I'm learning from you, Marilyn, <laughs> but uh, some, some things, um, you know, we're working on with our partners and our stakeholders directly. And I think there's really two main things that um, I do see as developing and advancing and maturing, even to the point of uh, commercial application in 2021. One is the um, the issue the, the ways to address off flavor in a ras produced product. Now this doesn't matter if it's salmon or trout or sea bass or barramundi. Um, you you have to address the off flavor issue. This is something that doesn't affect all farms, uh, but can affect all ras systems. In that uh, you know the organisms that produce off flavor compounds, yasmin and mib. Uh, can proliferate in uh, RAS systems and the fish can uptake that off flavor. And you have to address that before product goes in the market or um, you'll have uh, unhappy customers and then your demand will quickly dry out. And everybody needs to look out for this. It's an industry-wide thing because what we don't want is the industry to get a bad reputation 
for producing a fish that has a muddy taste. And then consumers say, oh, that was produced in a rest, and I don't want that because it tastes muddy. So uh, there are, of course, procedures that we've worked on over the last decade to address off flavor. And uh, this, it is magic. Of course, we had a, a great podcast episode with Justin Henry mm-hmm. and uh, our John Davidson at Freshwater about off flavor in 2020. So listeners can uh, get up to speed on off flavor if they're not familiar with it by checking out that podcast episode. Um, but I do see some technologies. There was a technology that was highlighted at the goal meeting last year called Exciton Clean. This is a Wisconsin company that has an advanced oxidation process using UV and and some other things to um, reduce off-flavor compounds uh, within a system, whether it's an actual RAS system or a deparation system. So I think that's a emerging technology that has immediate application in RAS. Uh, but besides something like Exciton Clean, there are other things other technologies being developed, feeds that can affect the microbiome of the gut that allows the fish to either pass the off-flavor compounds or to uptake it and oxidize it and metabolize it so that it is not held in the flesh or the fat of the fish. Um, I think we're going to see some of those uh, technologies uh, mature, uh, be tested, and uh, actually come to market in 2021. So alternate ways to address off-flavor, I think that's one thing that I see for 2021 on the technology side. And then uh, feeds, you mentioned feeds. I think feeds will be um, continuing to advance. Of course, they advance every year, um, reducing fish meal, reducing marine oil inputs, using more sustainable ingredients. And that's the one I think will see the the biggest impact commercially. Um, I think you guys have reported on the uh, Black Soldier Fly uh, uh, larvae, yeah, larvae meal. I call it maggot meal because that's what rolls mm-hmm. off, rolls off the tongue. So, you know, incorporating maggot meal into uh, feeds is already being done in Europe. Um, there's a couple companies over there that are building huge projects. Uh, Innova and Insect, uh, those two are. I think they're both uh, French companies that I'd like to cite with a. Um, Another company that can provide them with the substrate for the, you know, the, the feed for the larvae, and then they can produce the larvae at a re- very uh, economical, uh, reduced cost, and more of a kind of a, you know, recycling aspect to it, where they're using the waste from one industry, whether it's pet food or what have you, to grow uh, the maggots and then turn them into a feed that can be applied in, you know, pet feeds or, or aquaculture feeds and. That technology, I think, which has been developing for many years, you know, I think some people say, oh, that's cool. That, you know, that's new. That's cool. Well, you know, talk to the folks on the west coast of Canada at Interra and tell you how new it is. <laughs> I think Brad Marchant, who who started Interra 10 years ago, you know, is retired now. And uh, but they were Interra was a Canadian company, still is, and one of the first to to get uh, you know CFIA approval for the use of uh, of uh, feedstuffs made from their process in um, in animal feeds. So I think that uh, you know they were a, a first mover, but some of these other companies are, are huge scale, and they'll, they'll definitely be moving product in collaboration with um, you know the the main aquaculture feed suppliers. Of course, that, 
that stuff actually is also applied in other animal agriculture, chicken mm -hmm. feeds and things like that. So those two things, I think uh, technology for off flavor and then this um, new alternative feed stuff, as, as you say, uh, for feeds that are more sustainable for aquaculture. Those are the two technologies I see um, really maturing and emerging in 2021. Right. And I, I'm really looking forward to, I, I know in some of the stories that we've done in alternative uh, proteins for the aquaculture industry, specifically these um, insects, is, is just a really the challenge for, uh, the challenge for scaling and commercializing mm -hmm. and getting them to the level where it's really becomes more competitive with with the, with the more traditional feed. So uh, I'm I'm hoping that the, uh, the industry will get to that point and then we'll have some more sustainable sources of, of feed for our uh, for the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Another uh, exciting story that happened towards the end of last year and will probably be transpiring transaction that will transpire this year is Blue Star Foods. Um, planned acquisition of Taste of BC Aquafarms. So speaking about vertical integration, this is a company, Blue Star Foods, that's really engaged in food processing and acquiring Taste of BC will give them that um, capability for uh, sort of more of, more of an end-to-end -end production um, uh, business strategy. So uh, what are your thoughts on these and uh, what are the prospects of this acquisition? Yeah, it, you know, Marilyn, that's a, Interesting development for Steve and his family there uh, in Vancouver Island. It's a different model than we've seen with these large projects like Atlantic Sapphire and Nordic Aqua Farms um, around the world, Kingfish Zealand. Also, this is more of a, a small module uh, uh, distributed model where you would have modules that, uh, you know, of, of the size that Steve has at the Taste of BC and uh, they would be um, built um, in various locations, kind of like in addition to the family farm. And uh, the acquisition by Blue Star uh, would take advantage of having these multiple producers and bringing it together almost like a cooperative. Uh, we've heard about this model in the past because it's the model that the poultry industry uses. They have contract growers and then the large um, poultry companies are primarily the they produce the feed and then they process the bird and then they package it and, and uh, sell it out and distribute it out like Tyson. That's that spoke and wheel model. Uh, this acquisition by Blue Star of Taste of BC is more along the, that spoke and wheel model than the, you know, the mega farm of Atlantic Sapphire. So I think that is another thing to, to keep a close eye on. Um, it definitely relates to you know, how you process and sell your product Essentially, you know, you're, you're allowing the family farmer there with a small or smaller size RAS module uh, to do what they do best and then allow Blue Star to do what they do best. And, and really kudos to Steve and his family on a long um, path there. I think they've been working on uh, growing steelhead salmon there for you know, almost 10 years. As I recall, PR Aqua was involved in uh, the design of that system. Uh, many years ago. So uh, a, a real nice success story. And we'll be looking for that to develop in 2021. Absolutely. Well, I think um, we've discussed uh, lots of things to look forward to definitely 2021. And hopefully the pandemic will soon be behind us with all with the vaccines rolling out uh, around the world. So um, anything else that we, you, you want to add? Uh, 
No, right. just uh, looking forward to uh, another year of good podcast episodes with good guests. And if our listeners out there have ideas for episodes or guests, please send them along to uh, myself or Marilyn. Our emails are easily found on the internet. Yes, definitely. Looking forward to uh, more interesting discussions with you, Brian. And for the meantime, thanks for joining us today. That concludes our episode. For the latest RAS-related news, visit rastechmagazine.com. Join us again next time for another engaging conversation here at RAS Talk.